0: We're going to go ahead and jump into the final week of our overall series. If you haven't been able to be here for any of the, the series, you can obviously go and you can see it online, but we're going to kind of be wrapping it up this evening, or this morning of looking at some of these things together as, as we've kind of looked at these things. The title, of course, of the message has been overall, our, kind of our theme verses have been kind of in Colossians, the first chapter, and we've, we've talked about how Jesus is over all things, how he's supreme, and how we can really allow him to be the first in our life because he deserves that. And Paul, as he's writing to this church, really is wanting them to understand that he is above all, he is supreme, he is the first, and should be the first Over our series, we've looked how Jesus is over all sin. We've looked how Jesus is over all disease and all sickness. Last week, we talked about how Jesus was over all emotions. And this morning, we're going to be continuing that theme and kind of looking at another thing that I believe is very important that Paul wants us to understand and his readers all the way back uh, when he wrote this also wanted him to understand but really kind of the theme the idea the main idea that we've really had throughout the whole series is quite simply this it's Jesus reigns over all and deserves to be first in my life and for so many of us, so many times, and, and the people that, 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 that Paul wrote this letter to kind of had some of the same issues, they were, they, they were kind of looking at Jesus, and he was a good idea. But he wasn't the best idea. He was kind of, you know, he, 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 maybe he made it to the podium, if you know what I mean, you know, you watch the Olympics and you have a situation and you have the gold medalist and the silver medalist and the, and the bronze medalist. It was kind of like at times Jesus was, was maybe he was the gold medalist, but in other areas and other situations in their lives, you know, sometimes Jesus finished third. And it's something that quite honestly we all sometimes deal with and kind of have to to make sure that we are willing to kind of allow the Holy Spirit to kind of correct in our hearts and our lives. And one of the reasons that Paul writes this letter to the church is to kind of do that, to kind of help them see, hey listen, you you need to do a little bit of rearranging. You need to allow Christ to really be in the place that he needs to be. He writes about how Christ is the supreme. He writes about how he's over all creation. He writes about how he holds everything together in this way to help these individuals and in turn help us to understand that he is number one and should be number one and deserves to be number one in our lives this morning as we close this series out as we kind of kind of put a bow on it today we're going to be looking at this concept of jesus over all kingdoms jesus over all kingdoms let's pray father we love you and jesus we do thank you god we thank you for this time and this opportunity to come and just be in your presence and father right now jesus we just ask that that my words would just stop i hope they stopped earlier (laughs) but that, Father, that your words would come forth. Your words change things. Your words change hearts and lives. And that's what we need and that's what we desire. So, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just begin to work in our lives, in our hearts, through this message, and that you would help us to see and understand what you desire for us to see and understand, and that it would change us from the inside out. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Colossians, the first chapter, we've been kind of in this area, we've kind of looked at these things uh, throughout the series, but today we're going to focus in on uh, another little part of this. So we're going to go ahead and open up our Bibles again to Colossians, the first chapter. Uh, It'll also be up here on the screen, obviously already is. So follow along either through your phone or your Bible, whichever you got. Here's what we got. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So what we're going to do as we kind of start this message is I really want to break down a little bit and I won't go too deep or too long But I want to break down kind of what Paul is doing here and also give you a little context of why Paul is writing this particular message to this particular church. One of the things that was happening here in the church, uh, in the Colossians church, is that in a lot of ways they were doing well in certain areas, but in other areas they were doing poorly. And one of those areas that they were really having struggled with, is like I was saying before, where where Jesus was kind of sometimes lower on the pecking order. And, and interestingly enough, not only was Jesus lower on the pecking order with certain things, but he was sometimes lower with, with actually uh, angels, is really what was going on here. And so what was happening is they were kind of elevating angels to a place and to an authority that God never intended for them to be. In a lot of ways, they were kind of, elevated, 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 raised up. How about that? to this mediator between God and man. And Paul is writing for many reasons, but one is to kind of correct this misunderstanding. So you need to understand the context here. The context is these individuals have elevated, I did it that time, elevated angels and principalities and powers to a place that they were never intended to be. And so to help with us, to help us understand that, he begins this section by talking about how everything was created for him and by him, that he's supreme over all things. And Paul goes one step further. He says things basically you can see and things that you can't see. And then in verse 16, he begins to talk about this idea of thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in an unseen world. He's specifically dealing with this idea of angel worship and angel elevation. And he's basically saying, listen, these are created beings by Jesus for Jesus. He is supreme over them. He is greater than them. A lot of times when we read this scripture, we see this idea of earthly situations and earthly situations kingdoms and those things are also kind of talked about but really Paul talks more about them in Ephesians and we'll get there in a minute but really what he's talking about here is kind of these principalities and these powers in the unseen world now when we talk about these things he's talking about both basically loyal angels and what I like to call lethal angels because all of them are created by God angels and demons Basically, Jesus is above them all. But not only is he above those things. He also is above those things in the seen world when it comes to powers, and it comes to kingdoms, and it comes to authorities. But he really is focusing more on those things in Ephesians one twenty one. Now in this scripture, he's writing at about the same time as he writes the book of Colossians in prison, and he says this, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So this morning when Paul is talking about this idea of Jesus being over kingdoms, he's talking about Jesus being over all spiritual kingdoms, all earthly kingdoms, every authority that you can think of in every way, shape, and form, Jesus is above it all. And he brings it forth in this way of basically saying, listen, the creator is greater than the creation. And what we need to remember and think about this is every single one of us is also the created. We are also in that situation where because Jesus is who he is and because we are who we are, we are under him. In your notes, I really kind of wanted to break this down so it would be easy to just really kind of take and really see what Paul is communicating here. It's basically this, the creator doesn't bow to the creation. They bow to him. Jesus reigns supreme over all kings and kingdoms. Over all kings and all kingdoms. We see this through Scripture many, many, many different times from the way that that God allows certain individuals to have authority and have power and also in other times where God basically removes that authority and that power, whether it be people or leaders or even nations. But God is in control. God is over it all. Jesus is over every kingdom, every situation, every every leader. He is over all. Which to me, I don't know about you, that makes me happy. Because I look around at the world we live in, and I I don't feel good about sometimes who's leading me and leading you. I am excited, though, when I look and I go, listen, Jesus is over it all. Every kingdom, every authority, he is over it all. But also, we need to kind of look at the kingdoms that we establish in our own lives. Because not only do I am glad that Jesus is over every authority outside, if that makes sense, I'm also excited that Jesus is establishing his kingdom over things that I tend to bring up. I tend to want to establish some kingdoms and give them pri- pri- priority over God's kingdom. And so this morning, I want to look at a couple of those that, are, that I think are very, um, very important, very timely. This is not all of them by any stretch of the imagination because, you know, we, we got to go celebrate other, you know, Josh and Megan soon, you know. And I want to do that before, you know, 7 o'clock tonight. But these were just some that I felt like we needed to talk about and look at because these are things sometimes that we can establish over God's kingdom in our life. The first one I want to talk about is the idea of national or political kingdoms. Now, I'm putting this down. I'm going, oh boy. I'm looking out in front of me and I'm going... There's a mine, there's a landmine, there's a landmine, and there's a landmine. So I'm going to need you to understand something real quick, okay? I love our country. I'm proud of our country. Is our country perfect? Never been one, never will be one. I'm proud that I have a grandfather who served in the Navy during World War II. You want proof? Come to my office after service. I got his picture. I got his medals. I look at him every day I'm at work. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of this country. I'm proud that we have the freedoms that we do. Are we perfect? No way, Jose. Never going to be that. I get that. But at the same time, there is something I better be prouder of. I don't know if you understand this or not, but this has really been a mistake that a lot of people have made for a long, long time. And it can even go back all the way to Scripture. Look at me with me in Acts 1.6. Now, in Acts 1.6, something interesting has already happened, if you don't know. First, Jesus has died. Jesus has raised. Jesus has not yet ascended to the Father, but He is going to here very, very soon. And look what the disciples say in Acts 1, 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The disciples, the apostles, and you see it all through the Gospels, they are still expecting Jesus to set up something like a national kingdom. And they're very interested in this. And what's interesting is if you go and you look at this scripture, and it's not going to be on the screen, but basically Jesus says, listen, it's not for you to know the time. It's not for you to know those things. But then he continues on. He said, your job is to go and be my witnesses. The disciples are sitting there going, national is going to happen right now. We want Israel to be restored. Remember, at this time, Israel's under the thumb of the Romans. And their thought was this Messiah was going to come and He was going to bring freedom. But He was going to bring freedom in a political sense, not necessarily a spiritual one. And even after Jesus has risen from the dead, even after He has done these amazing things, they still have this mindset of national. Not only that, but because of that, They have to be redirected by Jesus. He basically says, listen, listen, that'll take care of itself in time. What you need to focus in on is to be my witnesses. What you need to focus in on is to allow the Holy Spirit to use you to not be so focused on a national kingdom, but a heavenly one. One that will not just change the present, but will change people's lives for all eternity. And it's so important that we understand that. It's so important that we remember that. And listen, I'm just going to be as open and honest with you as I possibly can. I'm not saying you shouldn't care about these things. I'm not saying you shouldn't be proud of your country. I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't be aware of who's running for offices and all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is there better be something more important than that. There better be something that you understand your citizenship to more than that. Because I'll just be flat honest with you. Like, I am not looking forward to 2024. I'm sorry. Like, like, I'm tired of some of the division and just some of the just, just vileness of it all when it comes to our our country at times and the political climate of it. And I'll be honest with you, I would love to like go to God and go like, listen, Jesus, you know who's gonna win. Can we just maybe, you know, first of all, let's get through Christmas. Don't misunderstand me here. Christmas first. And then maybe like fast forward to like next year. And I'm gonna really make sure just in case there's a weirdness, like Thanksgiving. We'll all know what happens and we'll miss all the harsh, just craziness. I wish I could have that happen. And again, I'm not saying anything about how you should vote, or, but I, you should, you should vote. You should care about those things. But there needs to be something you care about more. Look at Hebrews 13, 14. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Philippians 3.20, I love this verse because it always kind of recalibrates me in a lot of ways. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I've struggled with this too throughout my life, where I get a little too fixated on earthly matters and not so much heavenly matters. And I have found that for my life, one of the things that I constantly need to ask myself, and I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage you, especially as we are getting into a very crazy time uh, in, in our country for the next you know, year or so, you need to be asking yourself this question. You need to be asking, are you more passionate about representing the lamb or are you more passionate about representing an elephant or a donkey? Simple question. Now, listen, you can be passionate about the elephant or the donkey. But we as Christians need to make sure that we are more passionate about the Lamb of God more than anything else. Our first allegiance is to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. That's our first allegiance to him and to make sure that we're not so focused in on when the kingdom that we care about, quote-unquote, will come, but instead worrying about being witnesses for Jesus in our world today. So important, but it's one that we can try to establish over God's kingdom. The second one is personal kingdoms. Personal kingdoms. What what do I mean when I say personal kingdoms? I would say that these, to me, are are kingdoms of, of comfort. Kingdoms of preference. Kingdoms of of my dreams and kingdoms of my timelines and kingdoms of my understanding and kingdoms of my feelings and emotions. These kingdoms can raise up so quickly in our lives and we have to understand that these kingdoms, although they're, it's okay to have preferences, it's great to have dreams, it's okay to want to plan things out, at the same time, we need to let Christ's kingdom and His Lordship rule and reign over our lives. We see this in Matthew 6.33 in this very famous verse as Jesus is preaching in this amazing sermon and He basically says this, He says, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We're not done with Matthew 6.33. We're going to look at it here in a second. But here's what I have found. If I am not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, I'm typically seeking my kingdom and what I desire. I put that on the throne of my life. And here's what i found. Sometimes those are good things, but they're not the best thing. Sometimes those things are things that we kind of even look at, but God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. God, this dream and this vision that you placed on my heart for this ministry or for this situation. God, God, don't you want me to do those things? And God says, yes, I do, but not at the expense of putting it above me. And for some of us, we tend to do that. We put our desire, our life, over what he has for us instead of allowing his kingdom and his righteousness and his rule to be what we seek after. Next, the third and last one we're going to talk about is church kingdoms. Church kingdoms. What do you mean church kingdoms? Well, here's here's what I found. A lot of churches today they have really begun to focus in on building building their church to to uphold their brand or to to basically uphold a a type of worship or a style of preaching or, or a denomination or programs and all these sort of things. And I have found that as we kind of begin to look, we've kind of taken the church to a place above Jesus We've said, you know what, what's most important is, is, is the type of music that is sung. What's most important, does the pastor stand, does he sit, is he quiet, is he loud? What, what's more important here? What programs do we have? A children's ministry, a youth ministry, a men's ministry, a ladies ministry, an adult ministry, a senior adult ministry, a preschool ministry. And listen, here's the deal, none of those things are bad. But I've seen it over and over and over again where those things, even in a church, become elevated above Jesus. The message has become something that is not Jesus and Him crucified. Instead, it is, come, see our programs. Hey, come, see how our pastor preaches. Hey, come, see how good our worship team is. Are those things bad? No. But they become problematic when they become greater than a church that simply says, we are preach Jesus we care about making sure that people know how to find salvation and it's not found in a program it's not found in a ministry it is found in Jesus Paul shares this in 1 Corinthians 1 23 through 24 he says but we preach Christ crucified now why does this matter why didn't Paul just say we preach Christ It's simple, because to preach him crucified caused some issues for some people. And he wasn't afraid to basically say, you know what? This is going to be hard for some of you to take, but this is what you need. This is what you need. He says, we preach Christ crucified. And then he kind of breaks it down. He says, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Listen, I get stuff in the mail all the time. About how to be a better pastor. And you know what I never find? I never see these things that say, come to our conference and find out how to be a stumbling block and foolishness to people that come to your church. Never once. I'm waiting for that one. That'll be a great one. I'll keep that one. I may go to that conference, you know. And Paul's like, listen, we're preaching Christ crucified. And you know what? It's problematic for people. Listen, I think you need to understand this. Because we're so convinced and so concerned about being offensive to people. And I'm not saying we should be offensive to be offensive. Don't be silly. But you know what Paul's saying here? Christ crucified is offensive. But it's what we need. He said it's a stumbling block. He said, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, And I love this, just in case you're ever wondering. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That is such an encouraging verse to me. Because here's Paul saying, listen, I'm preaching Jesus and I'm preaching him crucified. Remember, to a Jewish person, we looked at it in, in in our study over the weekend in our community groups. To a Jew, cursed is he who hungs on a tree. And yet Jesus did. To break the curse. To reverse the curse. And so they're going, how does this make sense? I can't understand. And he's like, you know what? It's okay. Your wisdom is foolishness to God. Your strength is is weakness to god now you would look at that and go oh boy well, that's not really good it is when you understand that christ came to give us wisdom and to give us strength this is talking about our strength and our wisdom on our own which is what we all are when we're away from god but paul writes hey listen listen it's about christ it's about him crucified it's about allowing him to do that. And for some of us, we can even allow church kingdoms to be placed on the pedestal in our lives that keep us from putting Jesus over all. So then how do we do this? Let's look at some application. How do we put Jesus literally on the throne of our lives? How do we do that? How's, how's, how's something that we can take and use in that? Well, let's go back to Matthew 6, Jesus is here preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's been talking about this idea of needs in Christ and God meeting those needs not to worry and all these things. And then again, let's look at it together. He says in Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, before we get into this and kind of break this down, I want you to understand kind of what Jesus is saying here. He did not say, seek only. He said, seek first. Understanding that there are other things in our life that are completely good to seek. We should seek some things. What Christ is wanting us to understand is that first we seek these things. We make sure that the order is right. And when we understand the order and get the order right, everything else we seek will be added to you. But I will tell you this, just so you know, when you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first, what you seek after will always change. It will change. To be more in line with his kingdom And his righteousness. But let's look at this together. So let's look at what we are to seek. The first thing that Jesus talks about is the idea of God's kingdom. God's kingdom, what does that mean? It basically is God's rule and his reign in our lives and in this world. We're to seek after that, we're to want that. We're we're not to do things our own way or set our own rules or our own agendas, but instead to seek him and his kingdom and that his kingdom would come forth not necessarily ours and one of the issues that I know I have in times is I want to seek my own kingdom I want my kingdom and my rule and my reign to be first over all things but Jesus says no we first look to God and what's awesome about this is Jesus did such an amazing job modeling that for us where basically he said, you know, God, not my will, but your will. That really is the question when we look at rule and reign. Are we willing to look at God and say, God, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Not my ways, but your ways. Not my plan, but your plan. And it's important. Next, Jesus talks about God's righteousness. This is basically this idea of standard of truth and the standard of right living. It's basically this idea that not only do we seek after God in His rule and His reign, but we also want to live the way He lived. We want to make the choices that Jesus showed us and modeled for us to make. And so that we are looking to live the right way under His standard, not our own and are his righteousness. And it's very important that we understand that Jesus brought these two together for a purpose. These two things are kind of like these ideas of taking one hand and another and it goes together and holds together. They need to be together. If we do one without the other, some bad things can become fruit in our lives. For example, if we look and we only focus in on God's kingdom and we're not interested in living the way Jesus wanted us to live and caring for those that he wants us to care, it can really lead to a legalistic type of life Let me give you a perfect example of this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible. They were so focused in on the law and the rule and the reign that they walked over everybody to get to it. It didn't matter what happened to them. All that mattered was that I have righteous in my own eyes because of what I have done as far as meeting God's laws and under His rule. But... If we only focus in on the right way to live and we forget that it's not our standard, but it's God's, it can lead to a very, a a, a judgmental spirit where we kind of walk around and we're watching everybody. Did they do it right? Did they do the right thing or the wrong thing? And here's what usually happens when we do that. It's not the truth standard. It's not God's standard. It's Aaron's standard. You didn't like the same music I liked. You didn't go to church as much as I went to church or whatever. When they work together is when we see the beautiful harmony taking place that God intended for your life. We're to seek that. We're to desire that for God's rule and reign, but also for his standard of truth and right living to be played out in our lives. And it's so important. So how to do it? We seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. And then all the other things are added to us. All the things Christ takes care of when we focus and put his kingdom above ours. But here's the deal. We don't always do that. I know I don't. I know at times I begin to, whether it be kingdoms or other things in my life, I begin to kind of take Jesus from his place and instead kind of put me or something else in that place. I I, I remember as a kid, let me get a drink here. We would watch on, on Friday nights when I was growing up, I think I told you this before, one of the things that my family did um, was we would go out and get a pizza, usually Little Caesars, you remember when they came on the big tray, you know, anyway, you rip the, okay, sorry, reliving my childhood, and we would rent a movie, okay, and usually what we would rent were the old kind of Disney cartoon classics, and one of my favorites was Robin Hood, remember that one? You had the foxes and all the animals, you know. I used to love that one. I thought it was so fun. And, And, you know, you got bows and arrows and sword fighting, you know, so everything a little boy really likes. And they had Prince John. Remember Prince John? And he was funny. He was like, he was a lion, but he was real small. And the crown wouldn't even fit on his head. And so he'd have to make his ears go, and then he'd put it on. And he'd always say, like, things like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, he was always funny, but you knew you knew he wasn't the rightful king. He didn't fit the rightful king. He was weak and, and silly and, and did dumb things. You knew, you just, as a, even as a child, you went, that's not the king. That's not who sits on the throne. And at the end of the movie, he's, he's dethroned. And King Richard comes back. And he's this big lion. And the crown fits on his head. In my own life, if this will make sense, there's a lot of times where I put Prince John on my throne. And what's crazy about it is like when you stop and you look, you go, that's not the king. But here's what's interesting about the Prince Johns that we place on the throne. That king is controllable. That king we can handle because that king is weak. It's a king of our own making. But when the real king comes, there's something different. And we need to understand every time I don't recognize Jesus as supreme and over everything in my life, I'm actually dethroning him as Lord in my life. And not only that, I'm putting a weak, cheap imitation. Yeah, it's still a lion, but it's not the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's not the king of kings, and it's not the lord of lords. And whether it be in anything that we've talked about over the last several weeks, we have this ability to kind of look at things and go, you know, you know I, I like this king better. It's controllable. It's easy. He's silly. I can handle him. But when the real king shows up, his strength is bigger than mine. But at the same time, he is over. as we kind of conclude this series and even this morning together a lot of times we hear about kingdoms and we look at things in scripture a lot of times we have this analogy and this this idea of this this idea of the kingdom of, of darkness and the kingdom of light and how they're not compatible for obvious reasons and one being the kingdom of God and one basically being the kingdom of the enemy And these battles have been raging on and on, not only in our world and our culture and our society, but in the hearts of every individual that has ever lived. This battle of kingdoms has taken place. Who will win? the Prince John's or the King Richard's. And they've been battling and fighting. But look, just before our main scripture this morning, look what Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians 1, 11, uh, the second part, on to verse number 14. He says, may you be filled with joy. I love it. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Why? He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In a lot of ways, we have to remember which kingdom we have been purchased into. We have to remember that we are not who we were. And that if there are King Johns in our life, it's time to dethrone them. It's time to put them aside and put the rightful king who has come, who has died, who has risen again for you and me, and place him in the first place, supreme over everything and all things. We have to remember that we have been rescued from a rebellious kingdom to serve the rightful king. To serve the rightful king because of what he has done. So this morning, I want to ask you a question in kind of closing. Some things to think about, but I want you to look at this together and allow the Holy Spirit to to reveal in your heart, in your life, The answer to this question, is there a kingdom you need to unsubscribe from so that Jesus can be king over your life? Now, why did I use the word unsubscribe? It's very simple because that's something that's going on in my life right now. I don't know about you, but I I, I get these all the time. You you, you know, you go to a website, okay, and what, what do they say? If you just give us your email address, you can get 20% off your purchase. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a frugal guy. Like, like, you say, you know, like, you give me some 20% off, 25% off. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that. I'll give you my email. Like, it's like, sometimes it's just like, give us your email address. And I want to, like, send them an email and say no. But when they give me something, I'm like, okay, yeah. So I do. I, I give them my email address. And then you know what I get? You know, you get the little code and you save the 20% and you feel so good. Like, wow, I just saved me 20, 25%. And then for the rest of your earthly life, you get emails from them. I remember when this started to happen and this was years ago. So don't think I'm that dumb, you know. But I remember like, scrolling down, like, why am I getting all these emails? You know, and, there's, and it's really small. And maybe I'm just getting older, or they're getting smaller, or both. But there's that little button at the bottom. And it says, click here to unsubscribe. Well, guess what? Over the last couple of weeks, I don't know why. I've just been maybe tired of getting the same emails over and over again. I'm like going to that. And I'm like clicking, unsubscribe me. And you know what? It shows up, and sometimes it's confusing, to be honest with you. I'm like, am I really unsubscribing or not? But I click it, and then it says unsubscribed. For some of us, when it comes to these kingdoms, we have placed it above Jesus, and at the moment, at the time, we thought it was a good idea. Like, hey, we're going to get something out of this. The problem is, is when we have placed Prince John's in our lives, it's very, very hard at times to get them to, a, to leave the throne. Sometimes it comes back over and over again. Sometimes you think you unsubscribe, quote unquote, and then you realize you still get emails. But there comes a time where we finally go, you know what, enough is enough. And we go to that link and we click it and we completely unsubscribe from that type of interaction and that type of of just repetitive nature that comes and comes and comes. And for some of us, when it comes to the kingdoms, when it comes to the things that we've placed over Jesus, we have thought that we could just kind of go in that and kind of... Well, maybe they'll just stop sending the emails. Maybe it'll just quit you know maybe they'll they'll lose my email address no no spiritually speaking for some of us there's some links that we need to click there's some buttons that we need to push so that we can unsubscribe from those types of things and allow Jesus the first place over it all, And here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's going to happen one way or another. It's going to happen at some time or another. The great thing is we could choose that now... and we can choose the time... or God will choose the time. Philippians 2, 9-11. Therefore, God elevated him... Here it is again over all to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at that name the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father It's coming. You know what? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life now. I I don't want to wait till this moment to bow my knee and let my tongue confess. And this is pretty clear. Every knee. Every tongue. You got a knee? You're included. got a tongue? You're included far as I know, everybody here has knees and tongues. This is us. It's going to happen one way or another. Why? Why? Because Jesus has been put over it all. We can do it now and, and really, really enjoy that type of life, or we can try to do it all on our own and put our Prince John's on the throne. To go back to that story in closing, it's amazing that in that story, and again, I, I've actually never read, written, uh, written, I've never read Robin Hood before. I think my son is now, but I haven't. So really all I understand about the story is, is kind of things you hear, and also through that movie. And In that movie, when there is a king who doesn't belong there, the whole world suffers. I don't know if you know the story, but, you know, obviously, Robin Hood steals from the rich, gives to the poor. The reason he has to do that is because the people are so taxed and so burdened down. At least in the Disney version... They're taxed so much. Check this out. They're taxed so much that most everybody's in prison. They're in prison. They have the ball and chain on their leg. There's a scene where they're all there and it's pitiful, you know. It's raining outside. And as an adult, watching that movie again with my son, I began to think, I wonder how many of us, because we have placed the wrong king on our throne, live a life of bondage and chains and misery. And sometimes we don't even realize it. We've had that king on the throne for so long. We've had the sheriff of Nottingham come and beat us down with guilt and shame and condemnation. And we have forgotten that there is a rightful king. And one of the great lies of the enemy is the lie that says when you put Jesus on your throne, you become in bondage. You have to follow His rules. You have to do what He wants you to do. He, it's Savior and Lord. Yep, it surely is. And in one of the amazing things that God does is in that we find freedom. In that we find hope and peace and joy and love. When we place the right King on our throne and make Him over all things, is when the captives are set free. And the freedom comes to those in bondage. I love that when Jesus really began his ministry, he quotes a scripture where he says, I have come to bring freedom to the captives. When we place Jesus above it all, is when true freedom comes. Spiritually, mentally physically, in every area of our life. Why? Because we know as we seek first, all these things will be added. And for some of us, I'll be honest with you, quite, it's time to go up to Prince John and say, get off the throne. You can't even hold the crown on your head. You don't belong here. Jesus, Jesus, He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. and he will reign and rule in my life. Let's close our eyes. Let's focus for just a moment. Are there areas that you need to unsubscribe to? Are there some areas? I mean, I mean, here, here's what's amazing, OK? God gives you and me the ability and in some ways the authority to decide who sits on your throne. You realize that? God doesn't make us love him. God doesn't make us put him first. We get to choose life or death. King Jesus Or king, everything else. We get to choose. What that also means is when we have chosen incorrectly, God gives us the authority to say, you know what, I'm choosing Jesus now. And for some of us in certain areas of our life, maybe not in all of them, but in certain areas, It is time to walk into our throne room and remove the unrighteous, rebellious king and instead put Jesus there in every area, in every situation, in every circumstance. And listen, I I, I don't know every area in your life, but God does, and you do. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, even now, Is communicating and sharing with you areas and places and thrones that have something or someone else besides Jesus sitting on them. It may be some of the kingdoms we talked about today. It may be something completely different. But whatever it is, if it's not Jesus, there is an undeserving king on the throne of your life. And it's time to put Jesus there. It's time to experience the freedom that comes when we put the deserving King on the throne of our lives. And we seek His kingdom and His righteousness. So whatever area you're dealing with, whatever Situation or kingdom or or throne that needs to be advocated so that the real king can come. You get to decide today if that happens or not. And here's what's great if you make the decision and you say, Jesus, come, be king, be Lord in this area, in this situation, in this circumstance. Maybe, maybe it's it's you need Jesus to come and be your Lord and Savior in it for the first time. But no matter where you are, when you do that, He comes. And He takes His rightful place. And then as we seek His kingdom and we seek His righteousness, we'll keep Him there where He belongs. And so whatever area, whatever situation, as I pray for you, will you just pray out to the Father? Will you ask Him, to help you to remove the things that don't belong so that He can truly be over all in your life. Father, we love you and we thank you. Jesus, you are supreme. You are over all creation. You are the first. In fact, later on in Scripture, where we find out you're not only the first, you're the last. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You are everything. And God, for some of us, we have forgotten that. We're, we're like the church back that Paul wrote to the Colossians where we kind of thought, you know, you know, Jesus, you're great. I, I, I really appreciate the salvation and all the things. But you know what? You know, there are other things a little more important. There are things that I kind of put in your place. And Father, what we just ask, I ask, because I know I am guilty of this as well, that you would forgive me that you would forgive me that I have forgotten that you are supreme and that you are over all. But Jesus, we know that when we ask for forgiveness, you are faithful and just to forgive us. So we know that we're forgiven as well. But Jesus, not only that, but now help us all to look at whoever may be sitting on whatever throne in our heart in our life that doesn't belong there and tell them to hit the road. Because the rightful king has arrived. The king of kings. The lord of lords. The supreme has come. And it's his throne. And it's his rule. And it's his reign. And it's his standard of truth. And it is his model of living that we desire to follow. God, I know for some of us that's hard. We've had Prince John's on our on our throne for a long time. But Jesus, I pray that you would help us. You would give us the strength to remove those things that do not belong and not leave the throne empty, but place you on it. You are overall. In this world, both the seen and the unseen, in this country, in this community in our church in our families and in our lives help us to place you where you belong and leave you there thank you jesus we love you we thank you you're so good and we love you so much in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Listen, thank you so much for being here. For those that are online, man, we love you. We miss you. Hope that you're doing well. We know that some of you, you know, aren't in the area. And so we, we, we really appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you on Sundays and hope that you're doing well. Even though we may be far apart, if you ever need anything, please let us know. We're here. We'll pray. We'll do whatever we can do to help. But know that we love you and we think of you often. And we hope that you're doing well wherever you may be. For everyone else that's here, thank you so much for being here this morning. We obviously have a lot of exciting things still going on. Everybody's invited. We're going to start that as soon as we can and, and just celebrate. One of the great things about being a family and a church is to celebrate together. To joy, to come together when a joyful thing happens. Yeah, we come together when things are hard and we mourn with those who mourn, but we rejoice with those who rejoice. And this afternoon, we're gonna do some awesome rejoicing. So listen, we'd love to have you stay and be a part of that. If you have to go, have a great week. Again, remember, we're gonna kind of get things set up and we'll head downstairs and celebrate, okay? Awesome. Father, we love you again. Thank you for this time as we now go or stay, whichever. God, we pray that you would just be a part of everything that's done, everything that's said. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Have a great week.